Welcome to Hancock Conversations, an Allen Hancock College podcast. Join President Dr. Kevin G. Walters and members of the Hancock community as they explore the stories behind the people and places that make Allen Hancock College the unique hub for learning that it is today. You're sure to learn something new and even have a little fun along the way. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Walters. This is the Allen Hancock College Hancock Conversations podcast. It's a new program and we're honored today to have one of our emeritus faculty members, uh, Ray Snowden. Ray started at Hancock as a welding instructor in 1982. Over 29 years, he played a key role in helping build the college's welding technology program and guided countless students into careers in the welding industry. Ray learned welding and other valuable life skills in the Navy. Before coming to Hancock, he earned a bachelor's degree from Fresno State in vocational education and a master's degree in educational administration from Cal Poly. In 2009, he received the community college California Community College Association for Occupational Education Excellence in Teaching Award. Ray retired from Hancock in 2011. I'm going to assume that's because he heard I was coming. (laughs) (laughs) But he's a faculty. He still teaches with us sometimes, and and it's good to see Ray around town. And, Ray, I can tell you, you've made a huge impact on this community. When I got here, they uh, Ray Snowden, Ray Snowden, Ray Snowden. So, uh, So welcome. Thank you. So tell us, so you started off in the Navy. You're from Oklahoma. So tell us about going into the Navy. Well, I came out here when I was 15, started the high school and working in the fields and stuff. I kind of got behind and I uh, got out of high school. I realized I didn't know much and my options were not that great. So I thought military would be a place where I could go and kind of catch up. So I went to the Navy and, and it was a good experience for me. I started my education, I think, in the Navy. And that's why I started welding and uh, learning to supervise people and all the things that military teaches you. Yeah. So how long did you serve? I was on active duty for almost five years. Yeah, well, right at five years and, and then the one year uh, in active duty. Great. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot to be learned in the Navy. And that, so that leads you to Hancock. And well, actually, let's, let's, let's start about your, your bachelor's degree. So you get out of the Navy, you want to do your bachelor's degree. And you think you, a little bit of maturity helped you get through that program? Well, I'm positive. I know I went to community college first. I went to the College of Sequoia for a couple of years. The, the, the funny thing was that I wanted to go because the VA would give me uh, $75 for taking two classes, and I needed the money. So I thought I'd go to school until that money ran out, then I would quit. I never had any intention <laughs> to get a degree. And once I got started, you know, my instructor, well instructor, who uh, really inspired me, started to push me to do more and more and more. And and so I finally did get my AS degree, and then he thought that I should go after my bachelor's degree. I didn't think I could do it, but he kept pushing me until I went, and, and I got it. Working in the fields and oil fields during that time as a welder, and I hurt myself pretty bad in my back, and it was hard for me to work in the industry, and I almost had my bachelor's degree, and teaching position came open, and so he suggested that I should try for it. And I started off teaching adult school in Tulare and Fresno at Clovis. And then this job opened up a few years later, and I applied for it and came, came over here. It's been a good move for me. Yeah. What was the, what was the uh, facility like when you got here? Well, it was, it was big, <laughs> but it was not very organized. And we had the, the Plumbers and Pipefitters Union practice in our lab. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of really nice stuff in there, but I think the, the program was, was designed 
for one person's convenience. They had one class that he taught was 20 hours a week. That's his whole load. And so he only taught that one group of students. And uh, I thought, first of all, they couldn't learn that much that fast. And secondly, I needed to teach more than one class. So I broke it down and started modulizing it and so that we get uh, a number of classes that, that interlink with each other and so the students can make pretty even progress until they came out at the end with hopefully what they wanted. So now uh, Gabriel Marquez comes in behind you and he gets this big fancy facility that you designed. You ever give him a hard time about that? No. you know I talked to him into applying for my position. He was my student about 40 years ago. And I said, if you get the job, I'll stick around and help you. And that's why I'm still here. But I just tell him that, you know, I, I never promised you this was going to be easy. I just told you you're going to enjoy it. And so he does. I think it's hard work, but it's good work. Oh, he's a great faculty. Yeah, I don't think the school could have done better by uh, replacing me than they did with Gabriel. But, and, but he's got that big fancy place. It's twice as big as what you had. He's got plasma cutters and laser yeah. arms and robots. and yeah. He's got it made, doesn't he? Yeah, it seems like that's the way it was with me. You know, when I, I went to Fresno State, when I left Fresno, they, they built this huge stadium. And it was the year after I left, they opened it. And then when I went to Cal Poly, they built this big auditorium over there. And it was the year after I left there that they <laughs> opened it up. And so I thought when I came here, they opened up the welding facility the year after I <laughs> So I thought, well, I mean, maybe I should leave sooner. Then some of this stuff will happen faster, you know. Maybe we can bring you back and that make the fine arts building go faster that we're <laughs> yeah. building. Talk about the importance of career education for students. Well, you know, I'm a witness that a lot of us, I probably most of us, are not going to be white-collar workers. We're not going to be doctors and lawyers and financiers or things like that. But fortunately for us, there's a great need for the things that we do. I tell my students all the time, Nothing will work in this world that we live in if you take welding out of it. Everything it touches. There will be no toilet paper made. There will be no broccoli cut. There will be no nuts picked. I mean, we interchange with everything and everywhere. It's a great take-with-you kind of a career because if you decide you want to go to Oklahoma, take it with you. You want to go to Washington, they need welders there too. And it's a great way for you to earn a living. Nobody's going to get rich mostly, but you can have a real good middle-class life with the earnings that you can get from it. What's the most important thing a welding student needs to know? Well, he needs to know that what he does is is important and that everything that he does has to be done like it's it's the most important thing in the world because people's lives uh, depend on the quality of the work that he produces. We have, there was an attitude out there that says, you know, well, it doesn't look good, but it's, it'll hold. And we don't subscribe to that. Just because it's buried doesn't mean it's not going to blow up. So, you know, it has to be the best work you can always do, ever. And we don't ever shortchange that. And I'll tell them, you know, that your safety depends on you following the rules. If you walk across Broadway on a red light, you get hit by a car. Stay on the green light, you're pretty safe. We have to learn not just how to weld, but when to weld and where to weld and why we weld and how to interact with others because welding is just a small piece of the necessary tools that we need. We can teach them welding. One thing that an employer is willing to teach them, actually, is welding. What he can't teach them is how to be timely, how to be dependable, how to be 
congenial, how to how to yeah. work with others. He got to, if you have that, he's willing to try to teach you how to weld. But if you missing that and welding, you don't have much of a chance. So did you try to build some of those skills into your classes? Always. Uh, in fact, I would just talk to my class. I have to apologize to him all the time because I preach to him quite a lot. Because this is not just about learning how to burn rod. This is about how to live in this world with with other people and and how to how to bring your family along where they can be comfortable and and have a good life. To do that, you have to be able to to work with other people. You have to be able to to coordinate what you do with what everybody else needs. And that's uh, the one reason I started welding, because I grew up in a time where segregation was a a big issue. And uh, we couldn't get jobs. I couldn't even get a job when I got out of high school, you know, hauling garbage. So I thought I need to get something so that I'm going to be good enough at it that I'll, they'll hire me, even if they don't like me, just because they need me. And that's why I started welding. And I actually got pretty good at it because I knew that unless I was pretty good at it, I wasn't going to be able to use it when I got out. So what year did you graduate from high school? 63. 63. So you saw a lot of stuff going on. Now, you left Oklahoma by then, but there was a lot of... Uh... Yeah, I left Oklahoma in 58. What part of Oklahoma were you from? Oklahoma City. Okay. It was it was quite an eye opener before me because you know I give you an, a, just an idea that I'm the first one I have nine kids in my family, I'm the first one in my family that I know of who ever bought a new car, ever bought a home, ever went to college, ever I'm the first of all. But since then, half of my siblings have done the same thing, and so it teaches you to to depend on yourself and not other people doing things for you. And that if what you have is not good enough to, to earn you a salary, then you don't have a lot. Well, so I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, the late 60s and early 70s and the things that were going on. And this week they had the 50th anniversary of the, of the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. What were you thinking when you saw that back in the day? Well, it was kind of how it was in the day. You know, I mean, I, it's, you know, we uh, think that I remember mostly, you know, that is that when little children... Uh, we had to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, to little two-year-olds. You know what I mean? But we were very subservient. One thing that tickles me today, and every time I go to the movie, because when I was a kid, we could go to the movie, but everybody had to sit in the balcony. And now a balcony is premier seating. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to sit down below. I mean, everybody's up high. And but when I was a kid, that was we were forced to sit there. We were forced to eat in certain places and go we could only go in certain places and it was it was pretty hard california was a lot different when i got here but but it was a lot the same as well and so over the years i watched it change and you know my son told me one time that he said you know you older people are so passive and and you just you don't fight for things and i said well if you saw where we came from we think we've made Pretty good progress. You know, I think one of the things that gets lost in that story is that I think it's safe to say the folks in the South were just more honest, right? In California, you face some of the same things. The you know that movie, The Green Book, was written about New England, right? That's so that was that was a national scar. Yeah, in the California, they would call you Mister, but they wouldn't give you a job. Right. Oklahoma, they call you other names, but they (laughs) wouldn't let you work. You know, at least you work. At least you can work. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that, that's we might have to have you back and talk about some of those days because that's uh, I wrote my dissertation about those times uh, and yeah, I saw John Lewis show up pancreatic cancer walk across the bridge again this weekend. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, so. but it was it was the time. You know, the thing is, I I think like this. 
The reason that your windshield in your car is so big and the rearview mirror is so small is we don't spend a lot of time looking back. We already made it past that. Yeah. We, everything we want and need is out in front of us. That's where we need to go. And unfortunately, we have too many people spending too much time looking back and yeah. trying to fix what already happened. But we have a lot of stuff in front of us that so, we can do. And you see uh, what we do here at Hancock. I mean, that, that, I think that's a huge part of making that change and making yeah. sure that you know, every kid that comes to, to school here has a chance to be successful. Yeah, I, you know, I, all of my kids, I have six kids, and every one of them went to Hancock. Most of them have at least one degree, and they all have professions, and they are working. The Hancock has been, is a good place for, for, for to get a start, and, and I know that in high school sometimes that my daughter told me one time that one of her teachers told me you had to be a fool to go to Hancock, and I told her smarter people than you went to Hancock. And, you know, it's, it's a great place for you to go and get a start. And I forced her to come. And now she's ever so happy that she did. She has went on to Fullerton, got a, a, a bachelor's degree, and she's been in the industry working, and she's doing well. Nice. So Hancock has helped a lot of young people. And there's a lot that need help. And that's one of the things I would love to be able to be involved in. You're involved in that up your eyeballs. Yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, when we look at those students working in industrial technology, it's, it's just, you know, I, I love to go over there because there's always something fun going on. Yeah. And I can look at every one of those kids and be like, you're getting a job, and you're getting a job, and every one of them's getting a job because they know what they're doing. You were talking earlier about those soft skills, and, and I, I go get a lot of presentations at Rotary mm -hmm. Clubs, and every single time somebody says, well, how come you guys don't teach soft skills? Mm. And I said, if you think we don't teach soft skills, you haven't taken a class at Hancock. Yeah. <laughs> you show up late, that's on your grade. Yeah. You don't do your work, it's on your grade. So We teach so. more than what we teach. Yeah. So, all right, so we're going to do something fun to wrap this up. Okay. We hope it's fun. <laughs> I'll let you so, know. So they, Lauren writes down five questions for us. Got to make sure. Sometimes, got to edit them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And then we talk about it a little bit. Scale of one to ten, how good of a driver are you? I'd say an eight. I'm like a six. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good because I'm I'm scared to go fast, cautious about other people. You know, so, yeah, you cautious me. about me, and that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where's the place you'd still like to travel to? Well, there's so many places I haven't gone. I don't have an inspiration to go out of the country. That's I haven't ever even been to Hearst Castle. <laughs> and I've lived here for, <laughs> so I got plenty to see over here. I, I'd love to go back to uh, Washington, D.C. I've uh, I've been in, uh, I want to go to New York. I've never been to New York. I almost got there one time. All the places that I think I want to see are right here in this country. And and there's plenty of them that, that I have not seen. Where did you go when you were in the Navy? Uh, I went to China. I went to Japan, Philippines, Vietnam. And made that loop back and forth, and we saw we started off in Hawaii, and then we went. I made I think three tours over there. Wow! I was on an aircraft carrier, so we we was constantly going, and it was uh, it was a great experience for me. I think all the young men and women should be in the military, not in the war, but I think that the the discipline and the camaraderie that we learn uh, in there is certainly missing from this generation. Uh, that, yeah, that's shared experience. That's yeah. and, and, and my dad was in the Air Force. I grew up as an Air Force kid. I, I had no desire to, to 
following his footsteps. <laughs> I've seen how much he moved around, and my generation doesn't have that shared experience of, yeah. of service that, that almost everybody that you that know, age does. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a camaraderie that, you know, I haven't seen any of those guys that I served with since I got out, but I, I feel them all the time. I mean, you know, and I... It takes me a whole second or two to realize somebody's been in the military or not. Right. It's just something that, that you get out of there, and it, and it serves you serves us well. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, something a little lighter. What uh, What's something you could eat for a week straight? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There's lots of things I can eat for a week straight, but uh, probably chicken. I like oatmeal, cabbage, collard greens, maybe a good steak. Good steak. I can eat steak every night for a yeah, week. Yeah, I can easy. do that for a week, and then it's probably going to get old. But yeah, I, I can do that. <laughs> I'm kind of on the tacos. I think they think I eat tacos. Or I, I might eat tacos every yeah. day. So, what's your favorite car? Well, that's a that's a moving target for me. I uh, I like the Lincoln, mm-hmm. and I think the Lincoln is kind of like good clothes. I mean, you have a pair of Florsham shoes, a Stetson hat. It never gets old. I mean, it always looks good. It could be. And Lincoln is like that. It's a, you know, it's one of those staples. But on the other hand, for safety-wise, I, I used to have a, a Sequoia, and it was big. My wife and my daughter got hit in it, and, and uh, they were spared, I think, because the car was so big and heavy. But if I were to buy a new car, it would probably be between a Lincoln and a, and a Sequoia. Yeah. Depends on how safe I feel at the time. I was in a, a friend uh, had a Lincoln. It was like driving your living room around. Yeah. That was so nice, man. What a great car. Yeah, they have some beautiful cars, and they are comfortable. And uh, one of these days, maybe I'll have one. Well, good. Well, that's, uh, Ray, I want to tell you, the impact you've had on this college is, is phenomenal. And, and I'm so glad you're still teaching for us part-time after you're retired. And it's no joke. When I go around the community, People still, is Ray Snowden still teaching over there? I'm like, he's still teaching over there. They, so many students who took ornamental welding or some kind of class came in and took your class. And if we talk about changing the odds for our community, you're, you're one of the people that changed the odds for this community. Well, this college uh, changed the odds for me, and it gave me the opportunity and the desire to give back. So I'll do as much as I can. Great. Thanks for being here. Thank you. This has been Hancock Conversations. We've been talking to Ray Snowden, and our next podcast will be released shortly. Thanks.